This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. It's Kirsten Longbottom here with EPFR Director of Research, Cameron Brandt. Last week, we took a different track and talked about um, exciting company news and what it means to be a standalone company within Montague. This week, we'll walk you through what our researchers have been focusing on and what to look for in the upcoming weeks. Welcome back, Kim. I heard the MMX event was quite successful and insightful with roughly 20 speakers, I think, from JP Morgan to US Treasury uh, to even S&P. So want to share a few highlights about that event? Sure. Um, you know, money market funds are an important part of the financial plumbing, both here in, and in Europe. And when things are going well, they are classic examples of something that flies under the radar. Um, we hadn't been able to have the event since uh, 2019, so obviously quite a bit of water under the bridge. Um, it's an industry, especially in what's known as the prime space, where you do sort of compete on yield rather than just offer a, a good vehicle to package short-term uh, you know, government debt with very clear returns and, and duration profiles. Um, you know, the the uh, prime, prime area is living in interesting times because they finally got, uh, you know, not only positive interest rates, but uh, interest rates that are getting more and more positive very quickly. Um, you know, so there was some interesting discussion on the fact that while they're generally in favor of, you know, positive uh, rates and, 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 you know, having the price of money actually reflect um, economic fundamentals, it's happening so quickly that they've, you know, seen it, you know, as we all have, uh, be quite destabilizing both for their industry uh, and the economy as a whole. Um, you know, those interest rates were perhaps the most heavily discussed uh, topic at the event. Uh, you know, if there was a consensus, it was that they'll peak at 4.5% and start rolling over in the second half of the year. That's U.S. rates, though the risk is on the upside that they might actually have to go higher to tame inflation before the Fed could pull back. Though several speakers pointed out that, you know, despite the, the Fed's, you know, unusually united rhetorical front, it has a, you know, a, a long and well-documented history of pivoting. There was a fair amount of discussion about a couple of things that have sort of flown under the radar, I think, in sort of the general analysis, which is uh, – you know, in addition to raising rates, the Fed is running down its balance sheet. Um, and uh, a couple of speakers said that they felt that actually was going to end up being the equivalent of about <coughs> another 75 basis points in, in tightening, uh, which will feel quite significant <coughs> and that, you know, people should be paying more attention to that. Uh, the other area or another area that's not been getting much attention is the muni space. Uh, 
I think uh, it's been very quiet. A couple of speakers said for good reason that uh, U.S. municipalities, as a general rule, uh, got you know a lot of pandemic aid and then found that most of their revenue streams bounce back much better and faster than they expected. So, you know, as one of them pointed out, even Illinois, which was a poster child for uh, what happens when states promise more than they can fund and borrow more than they can fund is sitting on a billion dollars of reserves at the moment. Uh, And the last thing before we sort of move into the general thing is they, like I think large sways of our, um, you know, the industry that we track and the customers we serve are uh, wondering what it, uh, what they're going to need to do to engage uh, people of, dare I say, your age profile as you sort of uh, move up the, the slippery ladder and, 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 you know, start being the people that make the decisions where money goes. Um, as is, is, seems to be universally the case, there's hopes that sort of more attention to the ESG will, um, you know, be a step in that direction. Uh, but unfortunately, ESG which is focused on things with, that play out over pretty long time frames, is very much at odds with uh, um, an industry where sort of, you know, weighted average maturities might be, you know, get down as low as two weeks. So, um, so you know, that, that there's obviously some, some thinking to be done, uh, you know, and I raise the point too that um, – you know, money market funds are often called cash equivalents. And, you know, uh, how's that going to play out when increasingly you go into a store and they won't let, even let you spend cash? <laughs> they just want a bank card and an electronic signal. So, uh, you know, they are definitely living through interesting times. But it was a fun event and people were engaged. That's great. I think it would be great to have uh, our experts, Jay and Kevin, on a podcast soon so that we can get their their feedback on as well. Great. So in terms of fun flows, we might just turn the page quick. Um, so as managers reallocated their Russian exposure earlier this year and potentially still working to do so, what other countries are you seeing benefiting? Are we seeing a region attract more attention than usual? The winners, if that's the right word, but the uh, markets that sort of soaked up uh, the most of that uh, sort of, you know, 500, 450, 500 basis points of allocations that the average gem fund had to Russia uh, have been sort of concentrated uh, in either Latin America or Asia, uh, Thailand, Vietnam, India, Indonesia, uh, Brazil uh, have all, you know, year to date seen, you know, definitely measurable increases in their average allocation. Uh, the kicker here is that, unfortunately, this has coincided with a period when the, the global emerging markets funds are <clears throat> getting uh, posting pretty consistent outflows. So um, to have a higher weighting in something that's actually looking at what it will be selling is not quite the, uh, quite the sort of silver or gold medal you might be hoping for. But it does reflect... 
you know, a sense of where uh, collectively gem fund managers see the opportunity, you know, and, and you know, the fact that uh, there's a lot of optimism around India as likely growth projection and sort of some of the macroeconomic assets it ho- holds, um, you know, most Notably, I think sort of a, a, a young population that you know is still moving into peak consumption and earning years. Um, you know that's certainly been getting a lot of attention. Uh, Indonesia, Vietnam is another easy one because it remains as sort of the great hope for uh, the relocation of supply chains out of China. Um, and you know is also posting good growth numbers. Uh, Thailand and uh, Indonesia, um, sort of, you could have a perhaps a broader debate around that. You know, Thailand's uh, tourism story is still far from having bounced back, though. Uh, I think that is a, a big part of why the allocation has increased. The expectation that it will uh, and will sort of lift. Yeah, overall valuation. So why not get in early? So on the developed market side, you put some emphasis on the frugal five and pigs markets as somewhat of a space to sort of escape the turmoil in UK. I don't want to say it is. It's it's kind of. um, But is there yeah? Is there something we can point a finger to that's driving the flows there? Well, I think I think. You're right to raise that in that um, we've been seeing something slightly different recently than we often do in periods of stress, which is that um, it's usually the dedicated country funds where people fold their cards first. Um, You know, it's always easy when you sort of look at a single market to (laughs) make the case for real trouble. Uh, and it's the diversified funds that uh, you know tend to hold on. Um, but what we've seen both in the emerging market space and the European space recently is that uh, invest. You know, the diversified regional funds ha- have, in general, been taking fairly heavy outflows. But um, you know, there has been some interest, some action, some conviction at the, at the country level. Um, you know, uh, as much because there's a, a limited time to dig in, I use the sort of frugal five and the pigs markets as sort of metaphors for the process. But, um, you know, we have been seeing a, uh, in very broad terms, a little bit of a shift away from you know the the heavily indebted southern tier European markets uh, back to the ones that, um, in relative terms, have have a reputation for more fiscal discipline. And I think you know we may see that accelerate. Uh, events in Britain have sort of really illustrated what happens when uh, Keynesian governments run into inflation-fighting central banks. Uh, and while you know, we're nowhere near the Volcker years yet, um, you know, I can't think of a major central bank that isn't <laughs> uh, taking inflation seriously. So, um, you know, e- e- and the uh, ECB will, will 
look at rates again towards the end of the month. And given that September's headline number for the Eurozone was made it into double digits for the first time, um, you know, I think the odds are fairly good that it's going to raise rates again by for, for it, uh, what it will be a significant amount. So, um, you know, given that there is conviction at the country level, I think sort of keeping an eye on which countries uh, are still attracting support, both in Europe and the EM space, uh, is going to be a useful signal, uh, a useful piece of intelligence for our customer base. Another area that I think is going to be rewarding to sort of dig into with with, with real attention uh, is our sector funds and flow data. Uh, and yeah, I was interested uh, that you isolated based on really the one major corporate earnings report we'd had uh, by the time uh, our reporting period closed. Uh, we sort of uh, showed that uh, investors have positioned themselves in some cases for better news. Um, if you want to tell us a little bit about that. Great. It's, a, it's almost like um, it's an inflation and recession fighting story playing out at the same time. Um, yeah, definitely. So in the latest week, we saw um, Delta Airlines report their corporate earnings and gave off pretty positive signs. Um, they they highlighted good revenue. Um, I think they profited $14 billion, which was a record revenue. Um, and they specifically noted, which I thought was pretty interesting, that international travel outpaced domestic for the first time um, since the beginning of the pandemic. And I think that gives a hint towards the fact that, you know, the world is reopening. People are becoming more comfortable with traveling um, and especially internationally, which we hadn't seen for the past um, two years. So we isolated aerospace funds um, just by drilling down and looking at specific fund names um, and we found that year to date, they're attracting an inflow, whereas the last two years, the yearly total was an outflow. Um, and it's bouncing back pretty strong. It's at like $2.6 billion currently, and the previous record was set in 2017 for $3.3 billion. Um, so we're on pace to um, maybe even hit that record, um, which is interesting. So. Besides that, in, in other other sector funds, um, only five of the 11 sector funds this week reported inflows, the, the top earner being technology this week, um, and that mainly came from semiconductor mandated funds. So de- definitely been given uh, sort of uh, another nudge to pay attention because of the uh, commerce, U.S. Commerce Department's further tightening of restrictions on Chinese access to technology. Well, I couldn't help thinking as I was listening to your uh, analysis of Delta's profits that uh, my knees had contributed to that bottom line by being pulled even closer to my chin as I fly. Um, 
but anyway, it, it you know it is nice that certainly on a personal level the world is opening up a bit, and um, you'll be taking advantage of that uh, shortly. I, you're going to be over consulting with our European team uh, in a couple of weeks. A week from today, I'll be on a flight, so excited for that. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you, Cam, for your insight. Um, and we will catch back up next week. Good. All right. Sounds great. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcast. 